Yo, Tanner and Nolan with the podcast. Um, so we're going to be talking about space during this podcast. Um, should be pretty fun. First uh, topic is nebulas. I'm pretty sure a nebula is just a giant, like, galaxy. It's all colorful and whatnot. <laughs> okay, well, that's actually not what it is. Um, the definition is... A nebula is an interstellar cloud of dust, hydrogen, helium, and other ionic gases. Um, so it creates... Well, it does have galaxies in it. No, it doesn't. That does, it says. The... Okay, so yeah. The, um, the nebulas can be so big they take up entire galaxies. But that's what, that's the dust and like ionic gases are left behind from the supernovas. And then that creates new planets. So it's like an ever, it's like a never ending cycle of like planets being made. That's cool. Um, so the next topic we're going to be talking about is, uh, wait, what's it called? Kepler. Okay. Yeah. So a planet like super far away. That's almost exactly like earth. Um, it's called Planet Kepler 452b. It's supposed to be a larger, older Earth and is located around 1,400 light years away from Earth, so it's really far. Um, it's the first terrestrial planet found in the uh, habitable zone in a star just like our sun. NASA said it's about 60% larger than Earth, and it lies in the constellation uh, Cygnus. The planet star is 1.5 billion years older than our own. It's now growing hotter and brighter, as our stars will do in about a billion years. So it's pretty much the same sitch as Earth. Um, John Jacobs? <laughs> John Jenkins. Um, he analyzes data from Kepler, and um, he works at NASA's Ames Research Center in Moffett Field. California. So, yeah, California. And so he does a lot of research about this. Um, so, yeah, that's basically Kepler. Sick. What else do you say about it? Nothing? All right. Um, so the next um, topic. The next topic is the asteroid belt. And yeah. so, what? The asteroid belt is located between the inner and outer planets and is home to thousands of rock and debris known as asteroids, obviously. <laughs> Some of the dwarf planets, all of these orbit the sun. Um, some asteroids do orbit in space near Earth, and some are forced out of the asteroid belt by gravity and sent towards the outer solar system. What exactly is the asteroid belt, you may ask? There are hundreds of thousands of asteroids in the asteroid belt, and almost half the entire mass is made up of just four objects. These objects are a dwarf planet, Ceres, and three other asteroids called Vesta, Pallas, and Hygieia. Um, the diameter of Vesta, Pallas, and Hygieia are over 400 kilometers, and Ceres is even bigger at 950 kilometers in diameter. Of the many thousands of asteroids in the Asteroid Belt series, is the only one large enough to be classified as a dwarf planet. 
Apart from these four objects, the remaining objects in the asteroid belt range in size of small rocks right down to the dust particles. The asteroid belt between the planets Mars and Jupiter is located about 2.2 to 3.2 astronomical units from the sun. That is somewhere between 329 and 478 million kilometers away. That's far. Yeah. The uh, asteroid belt is huge, and the space between each of the asteroids is over 600,000 miles. The circumference of Earth is only 24,901 miles, which means that the distance between objects in the asteroid belt is more than 24 times the circum circumference of the Earth. It, the belt is a disk shape located between the orbits of Mars and Jupiter, which I already said. <laughs> um... Some uh, interesting facts is the uh, asteroids are made of rock and metal, so, yeah. And the size of objects within the asteroid belt range from as being as small as dust particle particles to almost 1,000 kilometers wide. Largest is the dwarf planet Ceres. Ceres is the only dwarf planet in the asteroid belt. Um, many people picture the belt crowded with asteroids, however, this is not the case. Asteroid belt can be so vast that the objects are widely spread out. In fact, uh, spacecraft have managed easily to travel through the belt, and that's like a common stereotype or whatever. People can't fly through the asteroid belt. Gravitational forces can throw asteroids out of the belt and send them towards the inner solar system, which, would, which caused the dinosaurs to go extinct. That's just a theory. Well, that's what I think. That might have happened. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see ya. Our next topic is gonna be comets. Um, an introduction to comets are like comets are like comets. Comets are like asteroids. They are small celestial bodies that orbit the sun. Uh, however, comets are composed primarily of frozen ammonia, methane, or water. And contain only small amounts of rocky material. Uh, they have been given the nickname of Dirty Snowballs because they're like giant dirty snowballs. The nucleus of a comet is composed of icy and rock materials. The nucleus, the nucleus of most comets. Nucleus. The nucleus of comets. Most comets range from about 10 to 100 kilometers in diameter. Um. The coma is the cloud of gases that forms around the nucleus. As the coma is heated, um, these gases are usually a mixture of vapor, ammonia, carbon and carbon dioxide. The dust tail, the dust tail of a comet is composed of gases and tiny dust particles blown away from the nucleus as the comet is heated. The dust tail is the most visible part of the comet. Um, the ion tail is a stream of ionized gases that are blown directly away from the sun as a result of the comet's contact with solar wind. So, the tail isn't behind the or the comet wherever it's going. It's just facing exactly away from the sun. Where do comets come from? Comets have been seen by humankind for a millennium. However, scientists have determined that the given given the shedding of material each time a comet orbits closely to the sun, a comet's lifespan may only be thousands of years, relatively small number when compared to the lifespan of the solar system. So where do they come from? 
they come from the Oort cloud, which is a reason a region region further out than the Cooper Cooper belt. Cooper belt, and is essentially a spherical shell. Uh, the comets coming from this area have orbital periods much longer than those of the Cooper belt. Additionally, the orbital plane of comets from the Oort cloud may be drastically inclined to do that of the orbital plane of the planets. So, that's basically it on comets. I like comets. Yeah, me too. The next topic we're going to be talking about is the moon. Um, is the moon. The moon, obviously, is the uh, only natural satellite. Um... Orbits the planet, kind of like an asteroid would. It is the fifth largest moon in the solar system. The average distance from the moon to the Earth is 238,857 miles. <laughs> um, the moon rotates on its axis around the same length of time it takes to orbit the Earth. This means that from the Earth, we only ever see around 60% of its surface. The side that we can see from Earth is called the near side, while the other side is called the far side. Sometimes called the dark side, despite the fact that it is illuminated by the sun. Uh, just as much as the near side. The effect of gravity is only about one-fifth. 17% exactly as strong on the surface on of the moon compared to the strength. Um, so, wait, how was the moon, like, formed or created or anything like that? Do you know? Yeah, uh, the giant, there's a big hypothesis going around, and it's called the Big Splash, <laughs> or Thea Impact suggests that the moon formed out of debris. Why are you laughing here? Leftover from collision between Earth and an astronomical body the size of Mars, approximately 4.5 billion years ago, in the Hadean Eon, about 20 to 100 million years after the solar system was made. All right, that's pretty cool. I like the moon. <laughs> I like the moon too. Moon's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> so we're gonna be talking about the sun now. And so, over the course of human history, the sun has been feared and worshipped. Um, what our ancestors knew about the fundamental level was that the sun provides vital ingredient for most life, most, most. most life on Earth. Without energy provided from the sun, vegetation cannot grow. And without vegetation, um, animals couldn't survive because, obviously, they have to eat vegetables. Um, however, what we know today is that our ancestors did not just know how far um, the sun's influence was. As our what? As the scientist's knowledge has increased, so, too, has our understanding that the Earth is merely a piece in the larger structure we know as the solar system. All right. Um, what is the sun? Someone might ask. That ball light. <laughs> Actually, it's um, it's a main sequence star, a sphere composed primarily of two gases, hydrogen and helium. Um, the first condition is that well, there's there's certain conditions to 
the star has to be in. First condition is that it must have a mass falling within a certain range. Um, though debated, this range is generally accepted to be between, wow, that is massive, 1.4 times 10 to the 29th power kilograms and 3.0 times 10 to the 32nd power kilogram. It's basically just 75 times the mass of Jupiter and more than, more than 150 times the mass of the sun. Itself. Itself. Um, the second and most important condition is that the nuclear fusion must be present. Nuclear fusion is the process whereby two lighter atomic nuclei join or fuse together to produce a heavier atomic molecules. In the context of... What? In the context of stars, hydrogen is the lighter and helium is the heavier. How big is the sun? The size of the sun compared to the largest known stars, red giants, is not very big. However, if compared to the most common type of star in the universe, the red dwarf, the sun is quite a bit, quite a bit larger. The sun is not the biggest type of star in the universe, but is definitely larger than most. As far as the sun's mass compared to the bodies found in our solar system. The sun is easily the most massive. The sun alone contains 99.8% of the total mass in the solar system. In terms, the size of the sun has a diameter of roughly... <laughs> okay, I got it. Uh, uh, wait, what? The sun has a diameter of roughly 1.4 million kilometers, or 870,000 miles. Um, to put this in perspective, that's almost 110 times the diameter of the Earth. So, yeah, one million Earths could fit inside the sun. So, the Earth is basically just a speck up against the sun. The sun accounts for 99.86... Did you already say that? I already said that. Oh, okay. already said that. One day the sun will consume the Earth, though, but it'll be in super long time. About 130 million years after it burns through all of its hydrogen instead of burning helium. During this time, it will expand to such a size that it will engulf Mercury, Venus, and Earth. When it reaches this point, it will have become a red giant star. Yeah, so didn't, doesn't the sun go through like different stages? Yeah. So it's, isn't it like a, isn't it like a super young star? Yeah, like right it, now. It'll get massive. Okay. Um, energy created by the sunsor is nuclear. I can't talk. The energy created by sun's core is nuclear fusion. Um, a huge amount of energy is produced. Four hydrogen nuclei are combined into one helium. So that just releases a ton of a, uh, uh, energy. And the sun is almost a perfect sphere. Considering the sheer size, there's only one... Uh, there's only a 10 kilometer, kilometer difference. And it's polar and equatorial uh, diameters. This makes it uh, the closest thing to a perfect sphere observed in nature. The sun is traveling at 220 kilometers per second. It is around 24,000 to 26,000 light years from the galactic center. And it takes the sun approximately 225 to 250 million years to complete the one orbit of the center of the Milky Way. So do, wait, does the sun orbit? I guess. I Me neither. I didn't know that. It takes eight minutes for 
light to reach Earth from the sun. Dude, so if the if the sun just like turned off, we wouldn't know for eight minutes. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be weird. The sun is halfway through its life currently. At four point five billion years old, the sun has burned off around half of its hydrogen stores. Okay, turn that down. Turn that down. Turn that down. The distance between the Earth and Sun changes. This is because the Earth travels on a elliptical orbit path around the Sun. The distance between the two ranges from 147 to 150 million kilometers. The distance between them is one astronomical unit. How, dude? I wonder how big an astronomical unit is. Um, do you know how big that is? I don't know. So the distance, um. Between the Earth and the Sun actually changes. And this is because the Earth travels on an uh, elliptical orbit path around the Sun. You did? No, you didn't. Which one are you reading? (laughs) Shut up. I'm reading the, like, fifth one down or whatever from our fact sheet. Okay, anyway. (laughs) The Sun rotates more quickly at its equator. Um, then it does close to its poles. This is known as a differential rotation. I think that's about enough on the sun. What do you think? Or do you want to do you want to say a few more facts? There's a few more facts I could read. The sun generates solar winds. <laughs> These are ejections of plasma, extremely hot charged particles that originate in the layer of the sun, no known as the corona. And they can travel through the solar system at up to 450 kilometers per second. The atmosphere of the sun is composed of three layers. The photosphere, the chromosphere, and the corona, which I just talked about. The sun is classified as a yellow dwarf star at its current stage. It is the main sequence star with surface temperatures between 5,000 and 5,700 degrees Celsius. Alright, I think that's enough on the sun. Um, so the next thing we're going to be talking about are dwarf planets. Um, there are actually five official dwarf planets in our solar system. They're called uh, Ceres, Pluto, Hawemia, Makemake, and Eris. Um, with the exception of Ceres. Ceres? Ceres? Cer- I don't know. Which is located in the asteroid belt. We already talked about that. The other dwarf planets are found in the outer solar system. There are six objects in our solar system which are almost um, dwarf planets, but there are maybe as many as 10,000. Of the dwarf planets, there are only two that have been visited by space probes. Um, In 2015, NASA's Dawn and New Horizons missions reached uh, Ceres and Pluto. What is a dwarf planet? I don't know. What is it? A dwarf planet is... Dwarf planets share many of the same characteristics as planets, though there is one significant difference. The International Astronomical Union's definition of a dwarf planet is a celestial body that is in orbit around the sun, has sufficient mass for its self-gravity to overcome rigid body forces so that it, it assumes a hydrostatic equilibrium shape, has not cleared the neighbor hood around its orbit and is not a satellite. The key difference is that a planet has cleared other objects in the area of its orbit, while a dwarf planet has not. 
Um, the largest dwarf planet is uh, Pluto, followed by Eris, Make Make, and Hawaimia, and the smallest being is Ceres. The order of dwarf planets closest to the sun, outwards, is Ceres, Pluto, I don't know how to say this one still, Hawaimia, Hamia, Make Make, with Iris being the furthest from the sun. Um... So, what are some things about Pluto? Pluto. Pluto was discovered in 1930. Pluto is the second closest dwarf planet to the sun, Trieri stated, and at one point classified as the ninth planet. Pluto is the largest dwarf planet, but only the second most massive. So, how big is it? Isn't it smaller than the moon? I have no idea. Um, it's like it's. Yeah, I think it's it's smaller. It takes two hundred forty-eight years for it to go around the sun. Oh, it's only two thousand three hundred kilometers long. So yeah, it's really small. Um, so Pluto was named after the Greek god of the underworld. This is a later name for the more well-known Hades and proposed by Vanita Burney, an 11-year-old girl from, from Oxford, England. Pluto was reclassified from a planet to a dwarf planet in 206, or 20, 2006. This is when the IAU formalized the definition of a planet as a planet is a celestial body that is in orbit around the sun. Has, uh, I already said all this. Yeah, but it, it, it had like a key thing why Pluto isn't one is because it has to have sufficient mass for its self gravity to overcome rigid body forces. Pluto was discovered on February 18th. Like By Lowell. the Lowell, <laughs> Lowell Observatory. Yeah, in 1930. Pluto has five known moons. The moons are Charon, discovered in 1978. Hydra, Nix, both discovered in 2005. Kerberos, original, originally named P4, discovered in 2011. And Styx, originally P5, discovered in 2012. Uh, Pluto... Wait, what? Pluto is one third of water. Good water. Why are we over there? Um, this is in form water and ice, which is more than three times as much water in in all the Earth's oceans. The remaining two thirds are rock. Pluto's surface is covered with ice and several mountain ranges with light and dark regions. Pluto has been visited by one spacecraft, the New Horizons spacecraft, which was launched in 2006, flew by Pluto on the 14th of July, 2015, and took a series of images and other measurements. New Horizon is now on its way to Cooperville, which we already talked about. Pluto's location was predicted by per Percival Lowell yeah. in 1915. The prediction came from the deviations he initially observed in 1905 in the orbits of Uranus and Neptune. Uranus. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, so that's a lot of facts about um, dwarf planets and Pluto. I think we're going to wrap that topic up. What are we talking about next? Uh, so, so, the next topic we're going to be talking about is Neptune. Neptune is the eighth planet from the sun and last of the known planets. While it is the third largest planet with respect to mass, it is only the fourth largest in terms of diameter. Due to its blue coloration, Neptune was named after the Roman god of the sea. Yeah. Um, Earth is really small compared, compared to Neptune. Um, it takes about 164 Earth years to orbit the sun that Neptune does. Neptune was discovered by Jean-Joseph Le Verver, Ver, Ververi, how do you say that? Verveer, Verveer. The planet was uh, not known to ancient civilizations because it's not visible to the naked eye. The planet was initially called Levere, Le, oh my god, here. Leverier. <laughs> After its discovery, this name, however, quickly was abandoned and the name Neptune was chosen instead. Neptune has the second largest gravity of any planet in the solar system, second only to Jupiter. Which we're talking about next, right? Maybe. No, no. The orbit path of Neptune is approximately 30 astronomical units. Do we even know how much that is yet? This means it is around 30 times the distance from Earth to the Sun, so it's far. The largest Neptunian moon, Triton, was discovered just 17 days after Neptune itself was discovered. Uh, Neptune has a storm, kind of like the Great Red Spot on Jupiter. It's commonly known as the Great Dark Spot, and is roughly the size of Earth. So, Neptune also has a second storm called the Small Dark Spot. Why did they come up with these stupid names? Okay, this storm is around the same size as Earth's moon. Neptune spins very quickly on its axis. The planet equal... Equatorial clouds take 18 hours to complete one rotation. The reason this happens is that Neptune does not have a solid body. Yeah, so wait, hold on. If you... What? If you, like, jumped off an airplane and flew, it, like, into Saturn, would you just go right through it? I mean, Neptune? I mean, Neptune? I mean no, because it's, it has mass. It's just all dust. Oh. The climate on Neptune is active. Uh... Upper atmosphere has a large storms that sweep across it and high-speed solar winds. Um, they can be up to 1,340 kilometers per second. So, oh my God. Um, the largest storm is the Great Star Dark Spot, <laughs> which was discovered in 1989 and lasted for about five years. Like the other outer planets, Neptune possesses a ring system, though its rings are very faint. They are most likely made up of ice particles and grains of dust with a carbon-based substance, substance coating them. Oh my god. Uh, Neptune has 14 moons. I just one of these moons is called Titan. So cool. And it's a frozen world with... It's a frozen world with... It's a frozen world which spits out particles of nitrogen gas and dust from below its at from below its surface. It is believed that Titan was caught by the immense gravitational pull of Neptune. <laughs> this lady in a wheelchair going by. Okay. 
Titan was caught by the immense gravitational pull of Neptune and regarded as one of the coldest planets. Or, gold, what am I saying? Coldest uh, worlds in the solar system. Neptune has an average surface temperature of negative 214 Celsius, approximately negative 353 Fahrenheit. Okay, so I think now we're going to switch to uh, Saturn. So Saturn is a unique planet in which it has like really big uh, rings, and so it's the sixth planet from the sun, and it's uh, most distant. It's the most distant planet that can be seen by the naked eye. Uh, Saturn is the second largest planet and is best known for its fa fabulous ring system. Uh, Ju like Jupiter, Saturn is a gas giant and composed of similar gases, including hydrogen, helium, and methane. Saturn Saturn was known to the ancients, including the Babylonians and Far Eastern observers. It is named that for the Roman god Saturnus and, and was known to the Greeks as Cronus. Saturn is the flattest planet. Its polar diameter is 90% of its equatorial diameter. This is due to its low density and fast rotation. Saturn turns on its axis once every 10 hours and 34 minutes, giving it the second shortest day of any of the solar systems. Saturn upper atmosphere is divided into bands of clouds. The top layers are mostly... <laughs> Ammonia, ice, below them. The clouds are largely water ice. Below are layers of cold hydrogen and sulfur ice. So that's a good amount of facts on Saturn. I think we're going to wrap it up there. Um, so um, that was our podcast about space. We, we learned uh, many interesting things. Um, writing and exploring and exploring and making this podcast uh hope you enjoyed it peace